Hello and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, April 23rd, 2017. Our scripture lesson for the day is from John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. One of the reasons that I love Christmas and Easter is they give us a chance as a church and as the Christian people to spread the idea that these are not days, but these are seasons. And in both of them, the Christmas season and the Easter season is an opportunity for us as the people of God to testify to the fact that both on Christmas Day and on Easter, the world changed forever. The world changed in ways that will affect it till Christ comes again in glory. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to sing Easter people raise your voices. Because the third verse is so important. Every day to us is Easter with its resurrection song. When in trouble, move the faster to our God who rights the wrong. Alleluia. Alleluia. See the power of heavenly thrones. Every day to us is Easter. Every day is an opportunity for us to testify that death has been swallowed up by love and grace in Christ. Every day is a chance for you and I to say things are different. And today's passage, the second half of the narrative from John's 20th chapter, is one of those that I think has been well-intentioned but badly misapplied. For many times when we look at these words, we look at these as the words of Doubting Thomas. How many times have we said or told someone or been told ourselves, don't be a Doubting Thomas? 
How many times is that phrase thrown around in our lives? And we use it as a way to shame people. We use it as a way to talk down to people. We do it as a way to challenge people's faith. We do it in a way that strikes our egos. We do it in a way that does not lift up God. But yet if Easter has taught us anything, nothing else, Easter has taught us that we are to look at the world in a different way through the resurrection. And I put forth to you that today's passage has nothing to do with Thomas. And today's passage has nothing to do with doubt. And today's passage has nothing to do with shaming people into faith. And today's passage has nothing to do with telling people how bad a guy Thomas is. No, indeed, what you see in today's passage are words dripping with grace, words dripping with love, words dripping with hope. And to a pre-Easter world, this passage would be all about condemnation. But today we see that this passage tells us so much about the risen Savior that we can easily miss if we dismiss this as strictly the words about doubting Thomas. I mean, right there, in the very first part of this passage, when it was evening, it was Easter evening, the doors of the house where the disciples were locked because of the fear of the Jews. The disciples didn't get a chance to play church. They didn't get a chance to wake up and go, you know what, eh, weather's not so good, I ain't coming to church today. I'm not saying it happens in this congregation, but other places it's been known to happen. All right, you look at, or we step out and we say, well, I wonder who's preaching today. We're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. We look and we say, well, I got this and that going on later. No, the Jews, or the disciples were gathered out of fear for their lives because they knew that there was a death sentence on them. And the door is locked. And yet Jesus shows up right there in their midst and Jesus didn't have a key. Now is that story, we have to ask ourselves this question. Why is that in the passage? Why is that important? What does it have to do for us today? I submit to you that a lot of times we will look at that as a historical narrative. As, you know, in our post-enlightenment world where everything has to be reasoned, everything has to be checked, everything has to make sense. Everything has to follow an order. It can be easy to get caught up in the physics of it all. When what John, the Gospel writer, is allowing you and I to see is that post-resurrection, Christ shows up in places we would not think possible. Christ shows up in places we would think not possible. After all, what was the passage we read last week as we were coming in? The ladies were walking down the road and they were talking with Jesus because they didn't recognize Him because they didn't expect Him to be there. Both on the Easter Day election and today, one of the very first things we see is that we worship a Christ who shows up in places 
we would not think possible. And the challenge for you and I this morning as we seek to bask in the glow of the resurrection is to ask ourselves, is there anywhere in our life we do not expect Jesus to see? To see Jesus? And if so, why not? Because we better get over it. There's not a part of our life that Jesus does not care passionately about. There's not a part of our life that Jesus is not desperate to transform. There's not a part of our life where Jesus doesn't want to be. And in this passage, you and I are confronted with that reality. And as people, as Easter people who raise our voices, may we testify to the presence of Christ everywhere, especially the places we wouldn't normally want to find Him. Then we get down to some of the challenge. Easter, being Easter people, is not an easy thing. Because not only has the world changed, but you and I have been changed when we take on the mantle of Christ, when we take on the label Christian. There's some serious opportunities that come with that. And it's amazing how often we read about this in the Old and the New Testament. And how often Jesus talks about the concept of forgiveness. Jesus stood. He showed him his hands. He showed him his sides. He said, peace be with you. He breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So far I'm with Jesus. That's awesome. But then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. As I've mentioned before, I wish I had the faith of Thomas Jefferson to just cut out of the Bible those things that we don't like. But it's not reality. When we read about Jesus being with Thomas and the rest of the disciples the week after Easter, you and I are confronted with the Pope with a very potent and important post-resurrection reality. And that is forgiveness is not optional in a post-crucifixion, post-resurrection world. Forgiveness is not optional in a post-crucifixion, post-resurrection world. I don't know about you, but for me, as I look at the world, and as I look at my life, as I look at communities, as I look at churches, as I look at all of everything, this is something that we try to self-justify away. We try to self-justify holding grudges. We try to say, well, as long as this is going on, I, you, know, I, 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 you know, we do all that. Don't ask for spelling on that anyway. But... Forgiveness is not optional in a post-crucifixion, post-resurrection world. That is a beautiful cross right there. One of the most beautiful I've ever seen. But if you look at that cross for the brass and for the shininess, you've missed the whole point of the cross. That cross is not there to be brassy or to be shiny. That cross is there because it is a physical reminder of forgiveness and grace it is a reminder of the high cost that God paid for us to be forgiven and reconciled people. And it is our mandate when we are in the glory of the cross. And again, it's beautiful. 
But if you see anything other than a mandate to forgive because you've been forgiven, we might as well take it out of here and forget it. Crosses are not meant to be decorative items in a sanctuary to make us feel good, although it's beautiful. I don't want to get rid of it. I think it's awesome. But let's not get caught up in how it looks. Let us get caught up in what it represents. And what it represents for us is the reality that we cannot be people who hold grudges. We cannot be people who don't forgive. We cannot be people who hold on to things. Because it wasn't John who wrote this. He's quoting Jesus. He says, Jesus himself said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. As my friends in the legal community would say, that's black letter law right there. That's all there is to it. That's not open for interpretation. There it is. But let's go back to Thomas. Let's go back to Thomas who wasn't with him that night. Let's go back to Thomas who heard later we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, as many of us are familiar, until I see it for myself, I will not believe you. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see in my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. There's something missing in that passage that you and I ascribe to this passage far too often when we teach, when we preach, when we study, and when we pray. Nowhere in that passage did Jesus Christ ever condemn Thomas for his unbelief. Nowhere in there did Jesus tell Thomas, how dare you for not believing as I believe? How dare you for, you know, Jesus didn't do all that. What did Jesus do? He offered him the chance to experience it for himself. Indeed, Jesus does not condemn those we think he should. Jesus does not condemn those we may think he should. And what we're seeing here is we're seeing the reality that Jesus will do whatever it takes for people to have belief in Him. And if that's what it took for Thomas, Jesus said, okay, here I am. Here I am. But then He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Who is it, dear friends, in our lives? Who is it that we think Christ would condemn. And then let us be challenged by this passage to think again. Because Jesus does not condemn those we may think He should. And then the final thing we see in this passage is John is wrapping up part of his Gospel and part of his narrative about Jesus. 
So he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That's a question I get asked a lot in Bible study. It's a question I get asked a lot in confirmation class. It's a class question I get asked when we do visitation and we hang out. And I just preacher, why is it there more about Jesus and the Scriptures? Why is there not more about who He was and what He did and this, that, and the other? John is very specific about His Gospel. These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. As post-crucifixion, post-resurrection Christians, we must remember that we have been given the gospel for development of faith and life. We've been given the gospels not so that we can memorize them chapter and verse, but so that our we may have them applied to how we live and how we develop how we develop our faith. And our life. And that's the question that is begging this morning as we continue to bask in the glow of the resurrection is what are we doing with the gospels that we have been given? What are we doing with the cross, with the Christ who hung on the cross? What are we doing with the one who was not in the tomb but was walking down the road? What do we do with the one, with the news of the one who appeared where his disciples we're not expecting Him. What do we do with the one who did not condemn where the church is condemned? What do we do with the one who tells us forgiveness is not optional? It's right there. We've been given all this so that we may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life in His name. And the reason why we put the title in our midst of our Easter series, He is risen and, because there's a lot more that comes after the resurrection, and the beat goes on. The reason why we went that direction with the sermon title is these are not one-off concepts for us to recognize one day of the year. But through the things that we have learned in this passage, the things that we have eavesdropped on between the Gospel writer and those who have heard Him, what we have been given is a lens by which we are to look at life and we have been given a construct by which we are to live life. The beat goes on. The world goes on. Our lives go on. But with Easter, while the world may go on, we go on transformed. And we are called to live transformed lives even while the beat goes on. Because that's the only way that we can expect to have a difference made in our lives, and that's the only way we can expect to make a difference in others. Never let us forget Jesus shows up where we would not think possible. Let us not forget that forgiveness is not optional. Let us not forget that Jesus does not condemn those we think He should. And let us remember the importance of the Scriptures for the development of our faith and of our life. 
And these, my friends, are the words that I share with you today in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderrida.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fumcdr. Have a blessed day.